Well, guys, as you know, I've been gone for the month of July and August on a medical leave for my wife. And uh, during those months, you guys worked through a series called A Worldwide Revolution. Yeah, sorry, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will get that to you. If you need a pen, hold up a couple fingers. And uh, that was a series kind of slinging off the Holy Spirit series that we've been working on the whole beginning part of the year. And hopefully, guys, you were able to walk away from this series understanding what an amazing thing it is to have the Holy Spirit to be part of your life. Hopefully, you were able to see how these regular, ordinary people in these stories were used by God to do extraordinary things simply because they were filled by the Holy Spirit and empowered by Him to do very amazing things. And in doing so, the kingdom of God was advanced in powerful ways. I mean, people were being healed, lame people were walking, blind people were seen, dead were being raised to, to life, horrible men who were murderers were being transformed into godly missionaries, and And not only that, the gospel was being spread to the entire known world at that time, and God was using ordinary men and women to do it. And the takeaway for us in all this should be that God can and will do the same thing through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we understand that. It's important that we understand what amazing power we have been given by God through His Holy Spirit to live the lives that we've been called to live. Because guys, without him, it is impossible. Amen? We need him. So hopefully you guys walked away with that. I also want to take some time right now just to, to thank all the guys who stepped up to this summer to preach. Uh, Josh, Watson pre- Josh, Watson. Josh Watson preached a couple times. Kirk Hansen preached. Mark James preached. Paul Jeffries preached. Uh, Jake Andrus um, preached and Logan uh, Matinair wrapped up the series a couple of weeks ago and I just want to say you guys are all very gifted men and you all did an amazing job and I just sure appreciate all the work that you guys put in to doing it. Um, uh, you guys are a huge blessing to the church family and we're just blessed to have men like that. So let's give them a, a big round of applause. Well today we're going to be starting a new series. Um, And I have to say that this series was not planned at the beginning of the summer. In fact, my plan was that we were going to be starting a series this fall um, focusing on knowing what it means to walk by the Spirit. Uh, But that isn't happening. We're going to be doing something um, very different, and I'll explain in a bit. Uh, But first I want to say this. uh, This series is going to be a bit raw. It's going to be real. It's unfiltered. Um, I'm going to be brutally honest with you, and maybe even more than you might like. Maybe even more than you, you, you might be comfortable with. But I feel like I have to be, because like you, I'm on this journey of running after Jesus, and sometimes, actually probably most times, uh, I don't understand what's going on. Uh, I don't have it all nicely wrapped up in a package and neatly put into five theological doctrines like some pastors do. Unfortunately, I'm a mess. Uh, A lot of times I take one step forward, and then I take two steps backwards. Um, A lot of times in seeking after Jesus, I will run into a wall, and I don't know where to go. And I just get stuck. And and I say all that because that is what this series is going to be about. You're going to be invited into 
my journey with Jesus, and you're going to see my thoughts and my reasonings and questions that I have about God. And like I said, it might get messy. I might get emotional. I might shed some tears up here. Not that I ever have, but I mean, just in case. But it might not be as clean as you would like, but it is what it is. And I feel like God wants me to bring you along on this journey because somehow, somehow, I don't think I'm the only one going through this stuff. In fact, having been here last week and hearing the testimonies that these rocks represent, I know I'm not the only one going through this stuff. And so hopefully as we take this journey together, God will teach the both of us. And we might come out the other side having grown and experienced the reality of who God is. And hopefully our intimacy with God will be greater than it ever has before. That's, that's my hope. As I mentioned at the beginning, I, I've been gone for the month of July and August on medical leave. And I thought I would just give you guys an update as to how everything went. As most of you know, my wife has been suffering terribly with severe chronic pain for many years. And in these recent years, it seemingly has been getting worse and worse and worse. So much so that many days of the week, she couldn't even get out of bed. She couldn't climb the stairs in our house. She couldn't be a mom to her children. She couldn't be a wife. She couldn't be a friend to to you guys. Um, Some days, she literally couldn't do anything. She just suffered a, a lonely existence in pain. And as a lot of you know who have gone through this, gone through pain, pain can be a brutal enemy. It can wear you down and it can beat you up and it can exhaust you to where physically and mentally and emotionally and even spiritually you are a shell of what you used to be. Well, day after day and month after month and year after year, I've been observing this happening to my wife and as a husband, it killed me. Um, it broke my heart. I, I felt helpless because I'm the husband, and I'm the one who's supposed to fix things for her, and I'm the one who's supposed to rescue her, and I couldn't. And my hands, in a sense, were just tied. And, and for those of you who've gone through that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a horrible place to be. Now, some of you at this point are thinking, well, Luke, you could pray. You, you aren't helpless. You have God, and so pray and ask Him to work. And you know what? You're right. You're so right. And that's exactly what I did. I prayed, and I prayed, and I asked God what I might be missing. What what did I need to do? What was He doing? What was He trying to accomplish? I, I begged Him to work a miracle in my wife's body. And guys, it wasn't just me praying. It was my kids praying. It was my family praying. It was her family praying. It was my friends. It it was the elders of Whitestone. It was many of you guys have been praying persistently for years for my wife, Shauna, for God to work a miracle. And we watched and we waited to see what God was going to do. Well, at the beginning of this summer, it seemed like God was orchestrating something for Shauna's healing. It seemed like something was being laid out for God to work His miracle. And there is a a treatment facility in the country of Ecuador in South America that works with people who are suffering with all sorts of diseases and all sorts of pain. And, And someone from the church family found out about it, looked into it, and they approached us and offered to send Shauna down there for a six weeks treatment to help heal her body. 
Well, we both prayed about it, and as much as Shauna did not want to be away for six weeks away from her family, especially during the summer months, we felt like maybe this is what God was providing to heal her body. And so we agreed to send her. Now, it was at this point that the elders then agreed to give me a two-month medical leave, and they told me, they said, Luke, I want you to focus on Shauna. Focus on your family. Don't worry about the church. The church will be fine. You focus on your family. And, and let's just trust God to work a miracle, and we will see you September 1st. And guys, I cannot thank the elders enough. I cannot thank you guys enough for allowing me to do that. I, I so appreciated that. Both Shauna and, and I did. So Shauna went to Ecuador, and she stayed at this facility, and uh, about midway through the point, I went down there too and spent down there for a little over a week. And, and uh, this is a picture of, of the, the staff down there, and let me tell you, these people were amazing. Uh, they loved on Shauna, and they served her, and they cared for her, and they worked with her, and they poured themselves into trying to help um, you know, heal Shauna's body, and they were such loving people. Uh, some of them were even believers, followers of Jesus, and it was just cool to have that connection. And it was so nice to go back down to South America where I grew up and to just to be around that culture again, and I just love those people so much. And, and you know, guys, while we were down there, our hopes were high. We, we truly thought that God was going to use this to heal Shauna's body. And I will never forget that during that time, right before I went down the church prayer ministry, they organized a night where they invited the entire church family to come to the sanctuary and to just pray for my wife, Shauna. Well, that day I was down in Chicago to get my passport to be able to go down to Ecuador, and I got back here late, um, and I was coming to pick up my truck because somebody had dropped me off at Amtrak. And when I pulled into the parking lot, the parking lot was full of cars. And I hopped into my truck, and at that moment, Doug sent me a picture of all of you guys praying for my wife. <laughs> Tears welled up in my eyes, because I just didn't feel worthy. And I, I texted those pictures to my wife, and I, I called her, and we just wept together. Overwhelmed by just the outpouring of love from you guys. And you... You guys need to know, you are an anomaly. This is not normal. You're not normal. <laughs> Your love is amazing. And it touched Sean and I more than you'll ever know. So thank you. And I have to be honest, the, the thought crossed my mind. I mean, this many people praying for my wife, I mean, she has to be healed. God for sure is going to hear Whitestone's prayers and heal my wife. I mean, how could he not? God's word says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and it's effective. And this many righteous people gathering together as one body agreeing together to pray for my wife, God for sure is going to answer. And I mean, that's what I thought. Right or wrong, that's what I thought. And I was excited. Well, the six weeks came to an end, and Shauna got back home, and as a family, we were kind of excited. My kids were, were hoping to see their mother healed. I was hoping to see my wife healed. I mean, this is why we sacrificed for six weeks to have her away, was so that when she gets back, she's going to be all better. That's what we were thinking. That's what we were hoping for. Well, that's not what happened. In fact, when she got back, her pain was 
in some ways worse than before she went down there. And I have no idea why, but that was what it was. And while she was down there, don't get me wrong, there were some good things that happened. I mean, good things for her body, good things spiritually, good things emotionally. But she wasn't healed. And now her pain was excruciating. And I remember one night I came up to the bedroom to bring her something, and she was rolled up in a ball, just rocking back and forth in bed, crying in so much pain. And she looked at me through her tears, and she simply asked me, she said, why doesn't God heal me? And as a husband, I just looked at her and said, I don't know. And that night I went out, sat on my deck and all by myself. And I'd be lying to you if I told you I wasn't mad, because I was mad. And I was confused, and I was perplexed, and I felt abandoned. And I just had no idea what God was doing and why he was doing it. And in my mind, I just had a conversation with him, and I was like, God, I don't get it. What are you doing? I have begged you to work on behalf of my wife. I've begged you. I mean, what? Am I not trying hard enough? Am I not praying long enough? Am I not living righteously enough? Am I not perfect enough? Is there something wrong with me or something wrong with what I'm doing or, or that or you're refusing to answer me? Or at least, why aren't you revealing yourself to me? If you showed up and you said, Luke, your wife is going to suffer for the rest of her life and this is why, I'd go, great, that's awesome. Okay, we will follow that. But you're nowhere to be seen. And you don't answer. And like, David in the Bible, I wanted to know why he wasn't doing anything. There's a verse in Psalms where David says, why do you hold your hand back? Why do you hold your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. And it's like David is saying, God, why do you just sit there? Why do you have your hands in your pocket and just sit there? Take your hands from out of your pocket and do something. And that's exactly how I felt. I was like, I get it, David. I know how you feel. God, we're drowning here, and you just sit there doing nothing. Why? And then I was like, God, in your word, it tells us that you're a loving father. In your word, it tells us that when a son comes to his father and he asks for a piece of bread, a father doesn't give him a stone. When a son asks for a fish, his father doesn't give him a snake. And if that's what an earthly father does, then a heavenly father, he even more knows how to give good gifts. And so, Father, it says that you are a father who knows how to give good gifts. But I have to be honest with you, this doesn't seem all that good. God, I feel like I'm asking for bread and you've given me a stone. You're supposed to be a good father. And Father, I know your word says that all things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I know that verse. I memorized it when I was four. So I know you must be working something good out of all of this in your daughter Shauna's life. But I'll be real honest with you, God. It just doesn't seem right. In fact, it seems like child abuse. Because, God, I'm a father, and I have a daughter. 
And there is no way on this green earth that I would put her through this kind of suffering just to teach her a lesson. If my daughter were begging me to come rescue her, I would come running to the rescue. I just wouldn't let her continue to suffer year after year. I just wouldn't, God. So I don't get it. And God, if I'm not convinced in my heart that You are a good God, then how in the world can I trust You? And I was just like, God, I'm, I'm being honest here. I don't know how to trust You. I have to know without a shadow of a doubt that You're good. And I'm just not there. I feel like I'm praying to a wall. I can't feel you. I can't hear you. I feel abandoned by you. And there I was, just sitting on my deck. With those thoughts running through my mind. And I was just in a dark place. Good thing I didn't have to preach that weekend because it would have been an interesting sermon. And you know, that, that's one thing about this whole thing is that it was really bothering me. It's, it's one thing to be going through this in your life and have time to kind of just work through it. But it's a whole other thing to be going through this as a pastor. You know, I have to get up here every Sunday and I have to preach a sermon and point people to a good God and a loving God. A God who will change their life if they let them. I didn't have the luxury to just sit back and journey through this on my own timeline I was on a time crunch. I was coming back to work on September 1st. I had to have all this together by then. I had to have it figured out. I couldn't be this messed up coming back to church. I needed some answers, and God wasn't giving me any answers. And so I didn't know what to do. So that night, I, I went to bed, and I was lying next to Shauna. And I normally don't do this, but I kind of just dumped on her. And I shared what I was thinking of. And I said, honey, I, I actually I kind of don't know if I can continue being a pastor. I don't know if I can even go back. I don't know if I can get up each Sunday and, and preach with conviction because I just have way too many questions, too many doubts on too many things. And I hate admitting that, but I do. And I wish I could be the strong pillar for you to lean on, Shauna, but I'm not. I am just a pile of mush right now. And I just dumped on her. And I knew she wouldn't, but you just never know. And I was thinking to myself, oh, if Shauna comes back with some little fancy Christian saying or platitude, I'm going to run out of the room. If she says, Luke, God is good all the time, all the time God is good, I'm <laughs> if she picks up and reads me the footprints poem, you know, I'm going to scream. Because as you guys know, when you're in a pit, those things mean nothing. They, they mean absolutely nothing. And they almost do more harm than good. But I guess on the flip side, too, I was kind of like, I was hoping that I, you know, as I'm standing on the precipice wanting to jump off, I would hope Shauna would just wouldn't be like, you know what, screw it, let's both jump, you know? where in her pain she hears her husband giving up on everything he's preached about for the last 12 years, and she says, fine, I'm done too. I was hoping she wouldn't do that. And I guess I, I didn't know what I needed to hear from Shauna, or whatever, it didn't matter. I just dumped on her full bore. But Shauna didn't do 
either of those things. And in typical Shauna fashion, in all of her pain, she said, honey, I completely understand how you feel. I get it. But honey, she said this to me. She says, don't for a second think God isn't good. Because he is. She said, don't for a second think that God doesn't love us. Because he does. And I don't know why he isn't doing what we're hoping he would do, but I know he loves us, and I know he's good. So question what you need to question, Luke, but don't question that. And as far as you quitting your job, that's a decision you're going to have to make with God. I can't help you with that. And we went to sleep. And the next morning I woke up and I was sitting on my deck with some coffee. And a friend of mine had sent me a, an email with a link to a podcast talking about doubt. And I really wanted nothing to do with it, but reluctantly I turned it on and I started listening to the podcast. And it was something about how people in the Bible, especially in the Gospels with Jesus, you know, were experiencing some really difficult things and they experienced doubt. And then these two guys would talk about it. And honestly, I don't think I finished the podcast, but it started to trigger my thinking. And it started to make me, you know, my thoughts to get kind of generated. And I realized that's exactly what I was doing. You see, I I knew up here in my head that God is a good God, but I sure did not know it in my everyday life experience. I I knew up in my head that God is a good father, but man, I sure did doubt it when it came to my current situation. I doubted God. I was taking my current situation and filtering my perspective on God through that. And I was doubting Him. And I have to say, I'm really embarrassed about that. I hate to admit that. Hear me, a pastor was doubting the very God that he preaches about every Sunday. And I, I, I didn't like having to admit that. But there I was. And it's weird. That morning, it's like God simply asked me. He said, Luke, so what are you going to do about it? What's your plan then? You doubt me. You doubt my goodness, you doubt my love, then where are you going to go to? Who are you going to turn to? And I sat there and I pondered that for a long time. I was thinking, well, I could could run to this, I could run to that. I could run to this person or that person, or this activity or that activity. I, I did have choices before me. Where was I going to go? What was I going to do? And as I was pondering that, The story of Peter popped into my mind, and you guys all probably know the story, but Jesus is speaking to multitudes of people, people who are following him. And he preaches a tough sermon. He preaches some tough words. And at the end, the people go, man, this, I don't know if I can buy this. And it says, they all left him. And Jesus turns to his 12 faithful disciples and he says, so guys, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
And Peter answered and he said, Lord, where would we even go? Where would we go? Only you have the words of life. We know that you're the Son of God. Where in the world would we go? And you know, those were my words to God that morning. I said, God, I don't know where else to go. There, there is nowhere else. Only you promise life. Everything, all these other things, they promise death. And I don't have any other place to go or any person to turn to. Only you. And I don't know the answers. I don't understand you. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't know why you don't answer my prayers. I don't have a clue why you don't rescue us. But it doesn't matter. I choose you. I'm doubting you. But I still choose you. I don't feel like you care. But I'm still choosing you. And like Peter, I really don't have anywhere else to turn. Because only you have the words of life. So I'm choosing you. And I felt like God said to me, right there is your fall series. He says, Luke, you, you have to preach from where you're at. You cannot preach from where you're not. You've got to preach from where you're at. And so preach on that. So that's going to be our series. Doubt in the storm. And the tagline is probably the longest tagline I've ever used in my life, but it's <laughs> hanging on for dear life to a God who doesn't seem to care. And I'm convinced that there are many of us, maybe even most of us, who are in a storm right now, and it's bad. It's Irma-sized. And the doubt is creeping in. And I want you to know, I understand that. I get it. Doubt is a pesky thing. But if I could ask all of you to stick with me through this series, and let's learn how to hang on for dear life to a God who doesn't seem to care. And notice I didn't say hang on to a God who doesn't care. Because he does care. There's a big difference between those two things. And the big difference really is our perspective in comparison to the truth. The truth is, God does care. Our perspective is, He doesn't seem to care. And so I thought this morning, just to begin with, is let's just say that truth out loud. You might not feel it inside right now, but let's just declare that truth out loud. Because I think there's something powerful with the spoken word. And so let's together as a congregation in one voice and unison, let's say God does care. Okay? Let's do it. God does care. Amen? And I have a feeling, I don't know, I don't even know where this series is going. I'm kind of taking it a week at a time because God's just moving me through the storm right now. But I kind of feel like every week there's going to be one thing that we're going to have to cling to. And so I want to just talk to you. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know if you're in a storm or not right now. But if you are, I think the one thing we've got to start with is we've got to come to a point where we say, 
I choose you. I may not understand you. I may not grasp what you're doing. I may still doubt you. But to begin with, I choose you. So I encourage you this week as you go home and you're alone with God and you're stuck, come to the point where you can say, God, I don't get you, but I choose you. I choose you. And hopefully as we progress on this journey together, God is going to help us see the truth not only up here in our heads, but down here in our hearts to where we can say with full conviction, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this amazing family. You spent extra time when you created them because they are just amazing men and women. And I thank you that they're part of this family, this White's own family. And God, you know where each one of us are at. You know the storms that we're going through. And whether we feel you or not, you're right there with us. And so I pray, God, that this week that each one of us might come to a point where we say, I choose you. I choose you. Because there really just isn't any hope, anywhere else to go. Only you have the words of life. Only you are God. And so I pray you'd bless these people as they walk out of this room today. And may they never forget that you're with them. In Jesus' name, amen.